2: We are live here on the February 1st edition of the MMA Industry Podcast. I am, of course, James Lynch, and I am joined today by a guy that I've wanted to get on the show for a while. He is the uh, rising star in the MMA media industry right now. Of course, I'm talking about Nolan King of MMA Today News. He's a senior writer for them, and he also is a freelance writer for Flow Combat. Nolan, what's going on, man? How
3: are you? Nothing much, man. I'm uh, just trying to stay out of the cold weather that we have in New England. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not doing as well as you, though. I'm sure down in the Dominican.
2: No, no, I'm, uh, I'm enjoying the weather here. You got to get out of the cold in the East uh, every once in a while if you can. So I've been fortunate enough to do that, but uh, no one wants to hear about that. They, they want to hear about uh, everything that has to do with you. And uh, first off, man, I'm really happy to have you on the show. Um, you know, you and I, uh, we, we talk a lot. You know, you're one of the guys that's sort of my go-to as far as, uh, you know, people I speak with a lot in the industry. And uh, this is going to be fun for me because I don't know a lot about you as far as your backstory and all that. I just know you kind of came around at a certain point and I know you and I sort of started talking uh, here. Here and there, but when it comes to breaking news, you are one of the guys that, that is sort of a go to at this point. You know, you have your heavy hitters as far as uh, journalists who do this full time, but you're one of the guys that sort of does this as a part time thing, but still breaks really big news. Um, and and you know, I've never met you. That's kind of the interesting thing here. I'm hoping that's going to change. Uh, UFC 223. Uh, we were just talking about this off air. I'm hoping to cover the card there, so hopefully we'll get to link up there. But uh, I'm trying to remember the first time you and I actually interacted. Do you remember? Because I'm drawing a blank right now.
3: I don't, man. It must have been on Twitter because I'm, I'm, you know, going back in in time in my mind. You were one of the first, you know, legitimate media members to really retweet my stuff and and uh, trust me, I guess you'd say. Um, so I'm sure it came off of one of my tweets or something. Um, we probably we probably had an exchange uh, with something like that.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely, and uh, of course, you've really grown since then, and, and you know, one of the biggest things is you uh, joining MMA Today News, and we'll get sort of into all that a bit later in the show, but I wanted to know, because I don't even know this, um, when did that interest for mixed martial arts sort of begin for you, um, as far as you you know being a fan?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, the, the earliest, like, my memory, the, the earliest uh, memories that I have about MMA was I used to, when I was little, I used to obviously, like a lot of other people, be a pro wrestling fan. Uh, I used to watch WWE when they had Monday Night Raw and Spike. And they used to air the the UFC commercials, you know, as real as it gets, stuff like that on, on the uh, the station. And, and I used to watch Chuck Liddell. I was, you know, really basic, casual. I'd tune in uh, to the Ultimate Fighter. Sometimes they'd have marathons on during the day. So Saturday morning, I'd be flipping the channels. I'd find that. Um, but, yet, you know, things kind of dwindled. I wasn't really into either. I lost my interest in pro wrestling, lost my, in, you know, never really followed up on my interest with uh, MMA. But, uh, you know, we always had this thing where, You know, sports was a real bonding experience in my household with my dad. And, you know, he would always say, you know, if the UFC ever came to Boston, we should go check it out. I know you're not, like, really into that, you know, too much. But if it ever comes, we should go. So UFC 210 rolls around. Uh, I'm Sorry, not 210. UFC 118 rolls around. um, And that was the first show in Boston. Frankie Edgar, BJ Penn. um, They had the big fan expo that was leading up to it. And, you know, the month before then, I started getting into it. Oh, I want to watch it. I want to get more, you know. I think it would be funner to be able to, more fun to be able to go and, and know these guys and, and have an idea of what's going on. So uh, I, you know, planned to go to the expo, everything. I bought the UFC video game. I learned all the fighters from that. And from there, man, it was, it was, uh, there was no looking back. I just, I fell in love with the sport and just watched, you know, there's not many cards I've missed since the, uh, you know, the beginning of 2013.
2: Interesting. Now, as far as uh, you met watching other cards, like are you watching mainly the North American promotions? or Are you watching, you know, sort of the, the overseas stuff? Like was there any sort of preference as far as what you were watching after that?
3: Um, really, you know, I stuck, it, it kind of went with the UFC only and then started to branch off and it started to go to Bellator. It started to go to, um, you know, the, some of the other promote, the more regional LFA. You know, I found Access TV. Uh, I, I think I switched cable providers and I had never had Access TV. And then all of a sudden now I had access to all these great, uh, you know, regional fights, and then from there, you know, since then, obviously, I'm, I've, I am I've pretty much follow everything now, but started yeah. off with the UFC, Bellator, and then everything else just fell into play. And did
2: you have any, sort of any favorite fighters, or was just sort of being a fan of the sport in general?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that the local guys were a big thing for me. back. Now, we have a lot of people from New England that are in MMA, but back in, you know, like I said, uh, I, I think I, I made a mistake. I said 2013, it was 2010 that yeah. that uh, UFC 118 card happened, so back then, there were only you know, three or four guys from New England that were doing this. Um, the big ones for me was Kenny Florian was a big one. Um, I used to do a workout as for, for my high school basketball team. We do a strength and conditioning uh, offseason workout at a gym uh, in Woburn, Massachusetts, which is the town right next to mine. And uh, Kenny Florian used to work out there. We'd see him doing uh, strength and conditioning. And he looks like a, he looks like a nice guy on TV that's you know friendly and bubbly. But, man, he was a savage in that weight room. Uh, you know, people that didn't know much about MMA wouldn't want to go near him. He was he would. He was awesome. But uh, other ones, Marcus Davis, the Irish hand grenade, was probably my favorite fighter growing up. I loved his fight fighting style, kind of a blue-collar guy. Uh, and then you got guys like Joe Lozon, Jorge Rivera, um, Tim Boach. Uh, that was kind of the mainstays in New England, and those were my guys. Interesting. Yep.
2: Now, As far as the the first brush with media, you know, was it was it an article? Was it an interview? What was sort of the first thing? If we can go back to those early stages, uh, what was sort of the the first thing you did media wise? Yeah.
3: So, I mean, the Twitter account was really the start of everything. It was kind of something that I don't know. Sometimes when I used to get really bored, I just kind of, you know, play around with things. I'd, you know, go for a week. I'd spend some time on Photoshop making things or, you know, I don't know. Watch binge watching some Netflix show and then I wouldn't watch anymore. But it was just very impulsive, like little things here and there. And I was like, oh, you know, maybe I'll make a Twitter account. I love MMA. You know, is so intertwined with Twitter and social media that you know maybe I can just have some fun with it, mess around a little bit. um So I made the Twitter account and a couple of weeks into having it, you know, I probably had like ten followers or something. um I was at the the event in Boston. Um, it was UFC. Den- it was uh, McGregor versus Seaver, the fight night, right. and. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I happened to, I happened to uh, talk to somebody that was kind of close with everything that was going on there. And they told me that, um, you know, this is like the earliest scoop ever. They told me that, uh, Ricardo Lamas and Chad Mendez were going to fight, uh, you know, and they were kind of speaking about it openly. They were talking to some people from the UFC that were there. And like, I don't know, I just, I tweeted it out and ended up getting like, you know, 30 retweets or something. Front row Brian gave me a plug and John Morgan tweeted something about it. And that was a fight that hadn't been out there. So, Uh, that was kind of my first thing that I did that made me think, huh, like, this will be fun. And uh, from there, I just kind of had some ideas, I played around with it. And I tried to um, kind of fill some voids that I felt like were out there that um, were, were that other media outlets or sites or Twitter accounts weren't really picking up on.
2: Yeah. And you know, you run one of the toughest beats. I mean, breaking news is so difficult. Not only you know, there's so many different factors that go into it. You know, first off, you have to be right right? I mean, that's, that's, that's the biggest thing. I mean, sometimes things fall through or sometimes you get a scoop and you, you, know, you have to make sure you have that second or third source. Like when it comes to breaking news, I'll even go back, back then, you know, way back in the early days, you know, how were you uh, going about making sure this was a hundred percent official? Was it getting the multiple sources or was it just trusting certain people that you knew were going to give you the right information?
3: Yeah. So, I mean, like there were two, like I said, the Ricardo Lamas one was from somebody that I, there was no, no debating in my, in my mind that they were, there was no reason for them to not tell the truth. And they were, they were um, somebody that was really like high up the ladder and everything. So anyways, uh, there was that one. And then also there was a a fighter that told me specifically that he had signed on for a fight. So those two, like I trusted, but from there on out, I kind of um, honestly, man, the the breaking scoops, I feel like didn't really come in for a little while after that. Uh, A lot of the things that I was tweeting out were just things that I saw, you know, you'd be on social media and and on Facebook and, you know, a certain fighter would tweet out or post on their personal Facebook or their fan page, a fight and no media outlet would have reported on it. Um, you know, or a UFC fight would appear, you know, on the website and nobody would report it. So I just tried to be consistent. That was really the main thing. Um, you know, nowadays, like you said, it's, it's, you, you have to be a hundred percent. Like if if I'm 99.999% sure, I'm not putting something out there. Uh, you know, it, it just, I would rather be sit on information that was right a thousand times than put out something that was wrong once. It just, right. It's just something that you really have to be careful with and the other thing is like you mentioned there's a there's a lot of uh you know to in order to be hundred percent sure there's certain things that you have to to feel comfortable about and a lot of times I feel like with these it's not like you're getting lied to necessarily, but I think sometimes there's the potential for mis for miscommunication is huge you know terminology is big like I've had fighters and you know. Their, their camps or their friends or whatever, their managers or whoever, um, you know, just, just people in general, uh, you know, come out, other journalists, every, everybody, people reach out to me and they'll say, oh, I just, you know, I just heard this person signed on to fight so-and-so. And then, you know, later on I'll talk to somebody else and they'll say, no, we, we just kind of talked to the UFC about that, but we never really, you know what I mean? So that's, that's yeah. a big difference. It sounds like something that's not a big deal, but uh, it's something that you have to be sure about.
2: Yeah, no, I agree. Was there anything sort of early on that you remember that you had to sit on that eventually became true that you're like, damn, I wish I could have reported that?
3: Um, early on, I'm not sure. I mean, something recently was the, the, the Michael Chiesa versus Anthony Pettis fight that that uh, came out the other day. Like, I had you know, I had one solid source that was on it, and I just couldn't get a second one, so I just sat on it. Um, I, I'm not sure. You know, if I sat here and thought about it, I'd probably be able to to come up with some earlier ones, but that's just the first one that pops in my head.
2: No, that's great. Uh, yeah. See, I'm, I'm going to throw a couple curveballs at you throughout the show because uh, you know that's what I do. We got to, yeah. we got to, you know, make things a little bit spicy here. We can't keep it, uh, you know, PG. So uh, just, just you know, prepare yourself for that. But uh, you know, that that's that's good regardless. Um, now, the coolest thing about what you do, I mean, again, you you've really sort of risen in the last couple of years. Um, you know, I love seeing like you know MMA fighting or junkie or, or any of these bigger outlets sort of giving you credit and recognizing the work you're doing. But the coolest thing about this, aside from the fact that again, you're very young, 22 years old, correct? Yep. Yep,
3: almost 23, 22.
2: Um, you're going to f- school for, uh, you're, you're a med school student, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. Yeah,
3: I'm, I'm like a pre-med, it's called biomedical science. It's uh, You can do some stuff with it once you graduate, but the idea is kind of to do a grad program afterwards.
2: Okay, so tell me your day-to-day, man, because that, I mean, it's not like you're going to school for... I don't want to crap on any degree, but like, you know, like, like an easier degree, like something where, you know, you're not having to give that much attention to it, but how are you balancing everything? Because it seems like you're on Twitter a lot. You're really breaking news a lot. How does your schedule sort of look as far as, you know, MMA stuff and, you know, school stuff?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, um, I also work as an EMT too on campus. Uh, part of the the thing to do, you know, if you want to go to grad school for this different types of programs, you have to get a certain amount of hours doing, uh, dealing with patients. So I also have that job in, uh, so, yeah, those three things kind of encompass my life, to be honest. Um, I just, I'm just i very busy, for sure. Like, if you look at my day, it's usually pretty pretty well filled up with things to do. But, you know, the way that I look at it is everybody needs free time. And if you don't have free time, you know, you're going to drive yourself nuts. So my free time, I, I find it to be almost relaxing to do this MMA stuff. Like, it's something I find yeah. fun, you know. Some people like to play video games. Some people like to, you know, watch Netflix, whatever. But this is my thing, you know, and it's just, you know, if somebody, if somebody was playing video games, and it was called their job, would they really view it as a job? No, you know, so no. I just I like it's, doing it's this. an
2: outlet, right? Like, you yeah. need, you for you, from what I'm hearing, it, you know, the MMA stuff is sort of an outlet from everyday life of, you know, learning, you know, medical stuff,
3: for sure, that's, that's, you know, that's a big thing. And um, I kind of timing is a big thing, too. I, I really lucked out with when I decided to join uh, the website with MMA today, because it was at a time where. With my program, this the last year and a half or so, the classes have been a lot less, um, you know, I won't say easier, but they've been a lot more, less work intensive. Like you start off here and you're, you know, you don't have a life. Like you're really drilling hard and it's awful and it's miserable and you don't have any free time. But uh, they kind of leave it where the, the last year and, you know, three semesters or so is very, um, the classes are more to your interests and they're more, um, you know, you have to take a class in like every, you know, I had to take like a like a English class and an art class and things like that. So you have a certain amount of requirements outside your major that you have to do. So the timing was perfect. You know, it was when my schedule was peeling back a little bit. And then also um, with the EMT job, it's it's a lot of time. There's a lot of downtime. You know, you can have a lot of hectic time going on, but there's also a lot of downtime. So I get to do my MMA stuff, you know, when I'm in between calls or there's really nothing going on at the station, you know, a slow day. So um, it's worked out well in that regard
2: and stuff. Do you try and tell them what it is you do? Like, Do uh, people get it? Because I know when I worked in like a corporate job, my my old day job, I mean, people just didn't get it. And, and it's, you know, it's kind of frustrating. But at the same time, you're kind of like, you know, this is this is what I'm doing. Yeah, I
3: mean, it's funny. I honestly, like, really didn't tell anybody up until like, probably the last six months or so, like, even my my good friends, like, I don't know, I just I just kind of kept it on the down low. Uh, you know, and it is kind of weird, like, you'll you'll throw things out to people. And they'll kind of think that, I don't know. They don't really know what to think of it. You know what I mean? Like I I told one of my, uh, one of my buddies who I knew he graduated last year, but I haven't seen him for a while. So we were talking, The I ran into him the other day. I was talking to him. He was asking me how I was doing. This came up and, uh, you know, he was like almost like surprised, like, Oh, like really, like you're interviewing, you know, professional fighters and talking to them and going to these things. And like, you know, so it's really been something that I haven't told many people up until recently. And it is kind of like a weird reception, like, People are excited for you at the same time. Some people don't really understand, but you know it's kind of all over the place.
2: What about your friends at home? Like, I, I talk to people about this all the time on the show. You know, it, it's a balance. Like, you have to really love this to to be involved in the industry. Like, has that sort of been impacted at all as far as you know being able to hang out with friends and and you know going to do regular stuff that a twenty two year old will do? Like, do you, do you struggle with that at all?
3: i um, not really. I think I've done a pretty good job of balancing it so far. Um, you know there there is a lot of time up here where people kind of have downtime you know uh but at the same time there's a, there's also a lot of times where you know when i'm doing my mma stuff other people are working or other people have other things going on so i think i've done overall a pretty good job i haven't uh, haven't pushed my friends to the side too much which which i'm lucky for but uh you know so far so good awesome
2: man now do you remember the first interview you ever did uh i know for me like i think my first one actually i think my first interview Fighter-wise, this was actually Bjorn Revney, believe it or not. This was, like, ages ago. I talked about this on an earlier episode. But uh, do you remember the first one you did?
3: Yeah, I actually, um, you know, when I first started that Twitter account, in between the time that I was, you know, kind of going for breaking scoops and just putting fights out, uh, I actually had a podcast. It only did, like, you know, three or four episodes. It was me and a buddy of mine, uh, Johnny Brown, who's an MMA fan, but he's kind of um, stopped pursuing the podcasting. He did it a little bit longer than I did. But uh, we interviewed – Linton Vassell um, was the first one. It was right before the – uh the Bellator, um, oh, what was that called? Why can't I remember it? the The, the, the tournament he was fighting King Mo, and um, that's pretty bad.
2: No, you know, no, I I know exactly what you mean. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was the uh, I, I don't remember the San Tour- Jose. Tour- I, yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. It, Anyways, um, yeah, yeah.
2: B- before that, it, it was for the was it for the lay heavyweight
3: title? Yeah, it was. Um, but they had like a name for it. It was it was something. Bell Dynamite. Bellator Dynamite. Yeah. There you yeah. go. See, you
2: saved yourself. It's all good. Uh, you know, you redeemed uh, You know everything in that. So that's great. Um, now let's talk about MMA Today. How did this sort of come together with you joining the team? And I got to ask at the time, did you know it would get sort of as big as it's gotten now? Because it's like MMA Today is just like, you know, it's become one of the, the up and coming websites for sure.
3: Yeah, um, absolutely. And I think that, um, you, you know, at the, at the time, I wasn't really looking to join an MMA website. I kind of felt like, I had some offers on the table. I had a lot of people like reaching out to me, asking me why I necessarily wasn't doing, you know, actual uh, journalism or working for a website. And, um, you know, it just wasn't at the time, like I said, my workload was too much where I didn't want to get involved. And and even when I joined MMA today, I was a little hesitant. Um, You know, Izzy Garcia reached out to me. I I followed him for a while. Obviously he's kind of well-known on Twitter. So, um, you know, I I was actually going to probably turn that down. And he wrote me like this pretty long thing about how, You know, they weren't gonna put much pressure on me to do something and I kinda could work at my own pace and really just fill it into my schedule, which is something that, you know, ideally I wanted deep down inside. But um, you know, I wasn't sure I would get even if I asked for it. I I you know the fact that he said that first made me feel comfortable about joining them. And um, you know, I'd always thought maybe down the road I would try to run my own website, but um how I was really naive about that looking back, like it's a lot, man. It's it's tough to do that, even you know. Uh, you know, Tony and Izzy don't do a whole lot of like writing the articles or anything, but it's, it's still a grind to even just like maintain things and edit things and, and whatnot. So I'm really glad that this worked out. It was kind of, uh, you know, a spontaneous thing that worked out really well for me
2: talk about on here a lot is mentors who is some of the the people early on when you were first starting that you kind of look to that you know you'd ask for advice or whatever and, and don't say me because ah, you know, you we, 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 we've been over that a little bit you know uh, you you know i've talked a little bit but i'm sure there's been other people that have been influential in in uh, the
3: rise of your career yeah absolutely and i you know i think that tony's been well one you've been well one i think um you know again a lot of it's about support and and feeling me feeling comfortable i'm not one to necessarily be too um you know reaching out for advice or anything. But uh, I think Aaron Bronister Bronister is another guy. He's a great dude. You've had him on the show and he's helped me out a lot. But honestly, like Tony's been a big one for me because I came into this not knowing anything. I didn't know anything. And, you know, I kind of was thrown into the middle of having a Twitter account and then going to cover Bellator, you know, or going to have these relationships with fighters and and things like that. So he really helped me out with the the resources that he's picked up over the years and kind of gave me, you know, Allowed me to feel out my give me some feelers on how this whole thing works, you know yeah,
2: um and Tony's a guy, I have to get on the show at some point because that like I know Tony. Well enough from like, I've even met him in person and everything like that. But there's like a whole backstory that I have no clue about. And I'm very curious to kind of hear how he got involved and everything like that. So Tony's going to be a guest at some point in the future. Um, Now, now uh, as far as, uh, the, you know, the million dollar question on this episode, I'm sure people want to know, you know, how did you end up getting sources? You, you talked early on about how, you know, you saw something on Facebook or whatever, but I'm sure now you have people that will... I'm, I'm assuming we'll we'll feed you stuff. you know, when did that process sort of start as as far as you getting sort of a, a circle of sources that you could sort of go to every now and then?
3: Yeah, I think probably like within the last 18 months or so that's really been the big one. i'm I'm sure you know my uh, probably about a year ago, I'd say and uh, you know, a lot of people I feel like think when they hear you know people breaking fights that I'm going like door to door and just cold calling you know, people and trying to trying to weasel my way into like getting you know, them to tell me things that they don't have any obligation to tell me. And that's really not been the case. You know, a lot of this stuff has just been through, you know, uh, connections that I've made through my writing and stuff. You know, people, um, people liked an article. It's not even people, you know, that I, that I talked to, you know, that I've, that I've ever conversed with. It's people that will say, hey, you know, I'm close to so-and-so this way or I know so-and-so this way or whatever, you know, and I won't even know who they are. And I'll look them up and you know i'll background check them whatever and that's the way it is you know i can count on one hand maybe the amount of times that i've reached out to a fighter who i you know a fighter at camp or whatever that i haven't had you know haven't talked to on a regular basis you know i i I don't ever really message fighters out of the blue that i have never talked to to uh to start um yeah, no, I, I
2: hear you on that. Sorry, the room yeah. service just came in. Now, the, the joys of doing this live and also being on vacation, uh, uh, you know, sometimes these things will happen. But but I know what you were saying. Um, I, I got to know, though, you know, as, as someone who breaks news, I mean, it's, it's really the toughest job in the industry. You know, people like to crap on guys like Ariel Hawani, and there was that whole thing years ago with him breaking the Brock Lesnar thing at UFC 200. And it's really the toughest job because if you're right, yeah, you get all the accolades, but if you're wrong, it's like the worst thing in the world. Have you ever, you know, received any
3: backlash for anything that you've, you know, released or written or anything like that, that kind of comes to mind at this point? Yeah. I mean, I think that the, obviously way back when a lot of people may not know this and I, I've always tried to like, you know, we had an issue like yesterday at MMA today with something getting put out that wasn't true, whatever, things like that. Um, yeah. So I've always, you know, your reputation should be the good and the bad. It shouldn't be just what you want it to be. Cause that's not really truly what it is. So you know, way back in the day, I put out something. Like I said, right when I first got this Twitter account, that wasn't true. Like it just, I I was going into a class here. I was, I think, I was like a sophomore. Saw something on my phone, texted somebody, misread their text, and then posted something that wasn't true. And or it wasn't it wasn't intentional on my part. It was just something that happened. And that took, a, you know, it, it got a lot of retweets. It got a lot of, uh, you know traction and then it turned out not to be true so for that was like devastating for me like i was like i will never let this happen again like i wasn't even far into this thing i just was like that wasn't a good look like you know you gotta you gotta triple check things you gotta be 110 percent sure and you gotta be you know if this is gonna be something even if you know back then i was just viewing it as a hobby like i think i even told people at the time like i tweeted out like sorry this is just a hobby like i'm not a journalist like whatever um and for that for me it was just like you know from from there it was just a real lesson and um, you know that was kind of the biggest uh, you know negative reception I got, and it was garnered so I didn't really have a problem with that um, as far as things go where you know I put out something that I feel I'm proud of or I don't have a problem with and people attack me for it. that's never really happened man on any level um, you know I feel like people have been Twitter gets a bad rap obviously for being kind of nasty and people you know the bots coming out of nowhere and the trolls and whatever but People have been so nice to me. I get pe- messages from people that I've never met telling me they like what I do. Like super cool, you know, fighters, you know, everybody, just people in the fight community, you know, and, and I, I feel like I have a good two way relationship with them. I've never, you know, had anybody really get mad at me internally or externally, um, you know, publicly or privately about anything that I've done. So I, I've met some great people through this and they've all shown me love and I, I love what I do so far.
2: And of course, along with the breaking news, you also do interviews. Do you sort of have a preference as what you like to do? I imagine the breaking news, you know, it's a little bit more, gets your adrenaline pumping a little bit more than, say, the interviews. But when did you start doing, like, the interview thing? Because I noticed it's been a lot more as of late. At least that's what I've sort of seen. Yeah,
3: for sure. You know, it was, um, like I said, I've been working for MMA Today actually only for 10 months or so. Um, I think maybe less than that, nine months. I think it was last May, early May, late April they asked me to join. So when I jumped on board, really, only, the only thing I was doing was just, you know, if I'd come up with some, if I'd find some breaking news, I'd come up with it. And, um, you know, from there, I went through finals, you know, May was in, May, had my uh, my final exams, kind of got back to my, uh, you know, my summer life, my last summer, not much to do. I was working kind of part time. And, you know, I was like, okay, maybe I can use, you know, use uh, MMA Today to help build my other skills. And, uh, you know, I started reaching out to, I, w- I wanted to start small. So I thought a good place to start would be with the Contender Series. And I feel like that, um, you know, I, the first interview I did, I think was with Kurt Hollibaugh. And I was. I remember being really nervous, you know, this is the first one-on-one interview I've done. So I did it with him and I just instantly fell in love. I think, uh, you know, starting starting my interview career off with guys that were starting their interview career off, um, you know, not necessarily Kurt, he'd been to the UFC, but the guys that came after that, you know, I had a couple guys tell me like, you know this is the first time I really talked to anybody on an, like a you know m- i don't mainstream mma media site so for that it was a it was a good building it was a good you know experience to build my skills and then also just just uh you know, to this day those are still my favorite pieces to to write is um you know the the articles with the guys that are trying to come up and to hear their story for the first time and you know it, it's just really cool a lot of them have really cool stories so the contender series was like my first streak of interviews and then from there I made some connections with managers and stuff uh you know Ed Cap that you had on your show a couple of weeks ago guys like that just great guys and uh you know from there we started pumping them more you know out more and more and here we are how
2: did you learn how to do interviews and and you know was because was I mean like you know some people go to school
3: they know how to do sort of the writing stuff but how did you develop that where did you learn all that um trial and error I guess uh you know <laughs> yeah, it's nice off awesome. You know, if you were to go back and listen to my first interview, probably with Hollabaugh, which was, again, I'm kind of glad I do written pieces. I would not be able to do what you do, uh, you know, day in and day out. But, you know, if you probably uh, I don't know, I probably have the recording somewhere. If I posted it on, you know, on Twitter, YouTube or whatever, I'd probably be made fun of quite a bit. Uh, So I think being able to do it over the phone where, you know, I could go back and listen to myself and it wasn't being projected as like this professional thing that I had to be completely you know, perfect or have a great demeanor or whatever. Um, and, and be able to really improve on those things without being too worried about failing, I think was, was a big part of it. And uh, so I think from there, it just kind of, I kind of figured out how to get better answers out of people and just kind of present myself better from here, playing back my interviews and having to type them up because I hate listening to myself. I hate, you it. mentioned,
2: having, <laughs> I was going to say, you mentioned, but uh, uh, managers, which I know myself sort of comes with experience and in interviewing more people, but uh, um, you know, in those early days, how did you go about getting interviews? Was it, you know, trying to go through social media, through Twitter, through Facebook? Is that sort of how you were, uh, you know, pitching your interview?
3: Yeah. Fa- Facebook fan pages were the big one for me. You know, I felt like that was the easiest way to, to, to be able to send somebody a private message, but also do it professionally. You know, it wasn't like, like, I, I know you've talked about this before. It wasn't tweeting at a fighter, like, Hey, can you shoot me a DM or, Hey, can you, you know, can I interview you? Things like that, which kind of, like I get it why people do that sometimes, but for me, it's just not what I want to necessarily do. Um, you know, so I thought Facebook's perfect. You know, people, people are pretty responsive on there and you don't have, you know, they don't have to follow you in order for them to to talk to you. And um, so I just went with that.
2: Awesome. Is there have done so far that sort of stands out? Again, I asked the, out of the, you know, out of the left field type questions, is there one that kind of stands out?
3: I'm sorry, you cut out for one second. did you say?
2: Oh, I was just asking you is, is there like a favorite interview you've done so far? One that sort of yeah. uh, you know just kind of sticks out.
3: There is a couple, actually. Um, you know, there was there was one that was pretty cool. It was early on, um, with the Contender Series. Again, it was uh, Kyle Stewart, Guns Up, who's actually fighting on uh, a couple of weeks. with Willis. Jaleel Willis. Yeah, that's a good fight. Um, actually, both those guys. Um, hearing their backstory and doing, um, you know, the, the way that I kind of form my prospect pieces is I kind of. I like to talk about the fight a little bit, but I also like to pretty much make it like a biography kind of. Um, so hearing those two guys' stories, uh, Kyle was one of the first ones that that I interviewed and his story was really cool. You know, it, 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 his fighting met his, his ability to step into the cage and perform meant so much to him. And, and it was very like symbolic and, you know, obviously he's in the military and stuff. So that was a big one. And then, julio willis actually the, the you know i interviewed him probably a couple months months ago before his bout got canceled uh for lfa that was supposed to happen december or i supposed think to fight that time.
2: Cut, i remember the fight master guy yeah
3: yeah yeah exactly and um you know that one was really cool too like he got this job like you know working he was he was selling t-shirts in a like a circus or something that had fights and the, some fighter dropped out a professional fight and he jumped in and he won so like stuff like that was cool but uh also, the one that I really liked that I did recently was uh, my first in-person one-on-one interview with Matt Bissette. Like, for me, that was super cool because that was just, like, people don't get it. Like, be, I'm obviously from New England, so, like, I might understand this a little bit more, but to, to see what he did and to, to be able to talk to him about it and after all these years for him to finally make it to the UFC when things looked like they were not going to go in the right direction, like, that to me was really cool, you know, and, and that was a big one for me, and he, you know he put out something saying like afterwards that, you know, if you didn't put that tweet out, you know, then I might not have texted my manager and then I might not have. So that, that kind of made my work feel good. Cause I, I, you know, the scoop that I had was about Arnold Allen being out of the fight and, you know, Beset's uh well-earned fan base really tagged him in it, you know, texted him, things like that. And, you know, he was saying that the text, you know, my tweet led to the text that led to his call to led to whatever, but he's being modest. He deserved to be there. And, and, that was just really cool for me to, to be able to experience that, though.
2: And you reference UFC 220 as far as you being able to go cover an event. Now, if I'm not mistaken, that's the first sort of video interviews you started doing. How was that experience? Because, you know, everyone it's not for everyone. You know, like I see a lot of uh, writers try and do the, the on-camera thing. And, and I'll be honest, it doesn't translate very well. Um, how did you find it, you know, getting to book the interviews, doing the interviews, that whole experience? Um, it
3: was a little bit hectic. You know, I I, I kind of didn't want to... I wasn't going to cover it at first. I wasn't going to, you know, cause I wasn't credentialed for that event. Like I didn't apply. I, I had plans to go with some friends. I figured, you know, this might be the last time to be able to do this with, with a, with a big group of buddies that we've gone to every UFC event that's ever come to our area. So I figured I, I'd hold off on this one, you know, at least one last time. And uh, you know, so I, I last second I was like, man, you know, I, I seen, I've seen the stuff that you've done, where you've had to get these, you know, access to these guys that aren't necessarily at the media days, or you know, make your own access. Like I think you talked about with uh, Nick Baldwin, um, who again yeah. saw his interviews in Winnipeg, was like, mm, maybe I'll give this a shot. So um, I'm, you know, a lot of those guys I had talked to for Contender Series. Um, actually, the three that I ended up interviewing were all from Contender Series. So I reached out to every fighter that I thought wasn't going to be at the media day. So um, with with a couple exceptions, and I got back six responses and. We all kind of – I kind of threw it out to them, like, if you have time in fight week, you know, would you be willing to do this on Wednesday or Thursday? Like, can we just stay in touch? And if you're around, we could do it. Six people responded. They, they were they were cool with it, definitely. Um, and then kind of three of them just didn't work out. We were kind of on opposite schedules. The time that I was at the hotel just didn't work out. Nothing like – you know, they weren't, like, cold-shouldering me or anything. They're, that's the thing you got to understand about these fighters, man. I'm sure you're well aware, but these are – like, these – these people are such good human beings and that they would spend time out with me, you know, somebody that most people, I don't think, you know, it's, I'm not Ariel Hawani, I'm not even close, uh, but for them to spend time when they're doing weight cutting and whatever, fight prep to take time out to, to, to talk to me, like super cool, but um, not to, not to move too far away from what your, your original question was like, oh, it was, all good. it was definitely hectic, um, you know, trying to arrange the time so that people weren't overlapping and kind of doing things on the fly. I was a big one. Um, the hotel was a big thing too, like where to film, you know, when I got there, things like that. But, um, you know, I I had the pleasure and the privilege of interviewing three of the guys, um, Matt Julio Arce and, and, uh, Brandon Davis, all super cool. And and honestly, I was very nervous going into it, but I felt like when, when I got on there and I sat down and I started talking to them, you know, it kind of, those thoughts kind of went away and it was just like, you know, conversation. Um, the only things reflecting on this, the, the, experience that I am kind of maybe wish I had done a little bit more was uh, kind of practice a little bit more of my demeanor and then also kind of mess around with the equipment a little bit more because I ran into some audio problems when I was editing uh, that could have pretty easily been avoided. Um, but I think it was kind of due to that last second nature of me getting in, you know, deciding to do this in the first place.
2: Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't realize that as far as the, you know, the, the the process of not only just filming it, being good on camera, asking good questions, getting a good interview, but then the post uh, post stuff as well. Um, Cause a lot of the websites that you see that are at these events, like an MMA junkie or MMA fighting, they have a crew that does this, you know, like you have an editor, you have a journalist. I'm, you know, like you see me at events, I'm a one man show. I'm lucky I have that background in editing where I'm able to sort of edit things together. But um, I don't think a lot of people realize that it's like, you know, it's tough to sort of put all that together yourself. And uh, I'll be honest, I loved your interviews. I thought they were good. I thought you were very comfortable on camera. And I think that's something that you almost can't teach. You have to sort of do it with practice. So I think the fact that you had done so many uh, interviews in the past, like you mentioned on the Contender Series, I feel like that sort of translated well to that. So um, I don't know. I enjoyed them. And, and I think that that's uh, something that people want to look at like a catalyst. You know, the work you did, the work Nick Baldwin did, that's the type of stuff you want to look at. If you're going to events and, you know, the, the thing that you kind of touched on, but I want to just highlight again, you didn't have credentials. I mean, you can, I, I see people here say, I don't have credentials. You can still cover events. It's just, you have to be creative. And I think that's sort of the key thing there. And, uh, you know, I, I imagine you were pretty happy with what you ended up getting there. Cause I thought it translated pretty well.
3: Yeah, I was, you know, I, again, like only positive things to be said from people, which I really appreciate. Um, you know, if people had given me a lot of criticism too. I would have been cool with that. Like I'm always down for, for whatever, uh, you know, and, and for me, I was just watching them back. Like, most times I, like I just said a minute ago, I hate like watching myself. I hate listening to myself, but I, you know, I kind of actually enjoyed viewing those over. So uh, we'll see where it goes from here. And, you know, hopefully I can get more of those in the future and and keep, keep moving on. Are you going to
2: Brooklyn? Is that, is that the plan? We talked about a little bit, a little bit about this already, but uh, you know, it perfect world. Would you go and cover that event? Cause it's a pretty big card.
3: Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I kind of have to see what my, my work and school schedule is, but it's usually pretty flexible. I don't see why I necessarily wouldn't be able to go. So, the plan is for now, tentatively, to say to, that I'm going to go, um, and we'll see what happens from there, man. But I, I think I'll be joining you for sure. Good. We, we got we got to get a beer. There's a couple 100%.
2: people that are going to Brooklyn. I'm hoping uh, I, I'm hoping I can get Mike Heck out there as well too. Um, I, I I don't think he's going to that one, unfortunately. Yeah, but no, there, there's a few there's guys there, that like. That's on. what's so fun about this for me. It's like it's you know you get to meet these you know you you're on their shows and stuff and then actually get to meet them that's what's so much fun about fight week getting to cover events and stuff and uh you know it makes it uh, that much more fun and and more of an incentive to to try and check it out and everything like that um you've done a lot obviously you know with the breaking news and the interviews and everything like that is there sort of like a proudest moment of your career so far you're 22 years old but i'd say you've accomplished a lot of what i'm sure a lot of people would have wanted to accomplish in their career
3: yeah um proudest moment it's tough you know and and again, I think kind of when I went to cover um, Bellator for the first time, it was my first live event going to cover it. Like, it kind of hit me. Like, I, I felt pretty proud of just about being there. You know, it kind of just me, my presence there, like, for me, my was just kind of a culmination of my work. Like, it never really hit me that, you know, hey, you kind of worked for this a little bit, you know, and now you're kind of you're getting the rewards in a form of um, kind of a booster to be able to, to put out even more content. But like I said, this is this is kind of a, a fun thing for me. It's not something I necessarily view as work. So for me, that was kind of when it hit me, where I was where I I finally kind of was like, hey, you know, you accomplished something that you should be pretty proud of. So that was a big one for me.
2: Is there anything you regret at all? Anything you wish you wouldn't have put out there? Anything you kind of look back and say, hey, I wish I wouldn't have done that?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think <clears throat> I think that um, like I said earlier, there was like you know a scoop way back that I kind of put out that that again I had like you know less than a hundred followers and it kind of blew up and. Um, for a while, it took a little bit for people to trust me, I think, but that was really the big one, man. And I've just tried to, I've tried to stay consistent and, you know, not, not get too, um, you know, not, not try to, to, to force scoops when they're not there or do clickbait or anything like that, or, um, just try to stay pretty open and honest. You know, people can, can inbox me or message me and ask me things and I'll give them an honest answer, you know? Um, so that was really my only regret so far. Now
2: as far as um I, I will touch on this just briefly I mean we don't have to get too much into detail but I know there was a, you know an incident that happened yesterday in MMA today but the one thing I wanted to the reason I wanted to bring it up is cuz I thought you uh, everyone is, as as you know as a website handled that situation very well basically from what I got was that something was reported it wasn't supposed to be reported as official it was supposed to be reported as a rumor and then it ended up getting out there and someone had missed a step and it, it got put out there and of course uh, I saw the fighters say hey this isn't happening you know certain fighters that were involved and then i know you went out there and said hey you know we have this issue we're going to look into it and, and you know kind of look into it um you know just talk a little bit about that and how you know you don't have to mention the person obviously but just you know sort of uh, how that process was sort of handled
3: yeah absolutely uh you know we have um pretty great team of guys over there like even the person that put it out was what i thought handled this you know amazingly and uh yeah so basically what ended up happening again shows you how important terminology is we had one of our our insiders. Um, who's been pursuing this this thing that they heard for a while Um, they you know the person put out there that they heard that you know this they had enough sources where they felt like we could put this out as something that there was kind of rumblings about Um, which is kind of a a weird not something we necessarily even do Um, so the whole thing was kind of just weird overall Uh, and it kind of got misconstrued as like hey you can you can put this out as official um, and then there was also kind of some DMs that went on between the, the insider and the editor that put it out that made the, the verbiage kind of confusing. But um, as an editor, you know, me and me and Tony are really the only two that ever um, will put out the breaking news stories just because you do have to be very careful. You know, we have a lot of great people working, but um, for us, but you always kind of as an editor want to vet what you're doing, too. You don't want to, you know, it, it, it's as kind of uh, as as bad as it sounds like you, you kind of want to trust yourself a little bit too. You know, you don't want to fully rely on somebody else for, for um, things like that. So the editor kind of, who doesn't usually do, you know, do things like this was on coverage for the Twitter account. And he put it out with, you know, kind of the wrong, not kind of with the wrong terminology. Um, A fighter responded um, about it, which wasn't even our main issue about the whole thing. Like it, it just made me look into it where I was in class and I saw this like going down on Twitter and I was like, Oh, so I kind of went through the group tech chat and everything and saw what was going on, and I deleted the tweet. Um, and it, again, it was it was it was not necessarily like the what the insider was saying it was completely baseless or whatever. It wasn't really the necessarily the issue that it was. It turned out not to be true. It was more the issue that it was turned from something that should have been in the works or rumored or rumblings or whatever, and turned to stated as a fact. That was kind of the problem that we had with it because you know, I trust this insider. I, he's hit a hundred percent when we've put out his reports, but again, like you, you don't want to, you don't want to mess around with that. You don't want to take the risk. And, uh, you know, I, I guess we'll see what happens from here, but uh, I think we handled it well. I think Tony's, you know, obviously he's the associate editor. He's the head guy. He's the one to make all the calls. I think he handled it well. The person that did it handled it really well. Um, and we'll just move on from here. Cause I think we've, we've had a pretty good batting rac- record so far and like I said yesterday, it's it's all about, um, you know, it, it's all about not only, you know, filling the cracks, but if something slips through about handling it correctly. And I think we did that.
2: I completely agree. And that's why I wanted to bring it up. I thought it's a good example of, you know, owning your mistake and, and the way you guys sort of went about it. You said, hey, listen, you know, this happened. We apologize Whatever the person was, I guess, suspended. I mean, this is what you have to do. Mistakes are going to happen. Even the biggest sites make mistakes. I mean, that's what bothers me is that like, you'll see these bigger sites make mistakes and then maybe they won't acknowledge it and sort of, but I mean, a lot of these MMA fans out there act like these bigger sites are batting 100 sometimes, or sorry, my, my baseball terminology is (laughs) off. Let's just say, we'll use a hockey terminology, you know, you're three for three on the net or something like that. We'll use that. that. That might sound a little bit better, but the point I'm making is that like, it bothers me when I see these bigger sites. They make mistakes sometimes, and then no one sort of gives them crap for it. But these smaller sites might make one thing, and then you know at least acknowledge it or whatever, and then they get crapped on even more. That's what sort of bothers me a yeah. little bit. Uh, sort of looking at the landscape, it's like you know all everyone makes mistakes. Ariel's made mistakes too, but it's just like you know people just seem to think that you know, because they're not like an MMA fighting or an MMA yeah. junkie that they have to, you know, decide to, to crap on it. So I, I don't like that part of it, but I guess it's just, it's going to happen. To, to, to build off people, that. People,
3: people pick sides. I mean, that, that's the reality. To, to build off that, I think that, you know, something that I've seen lately, especially when it comes to the smaller sites is, you know, I, I think a good example of it was the thing with Michael Bisping and Vitor. Um, and again, this is, this is, this shows you that you can't be perfect in this thing. You can, you can be as close as you can be to perfect, but um, the fact that you have to rely on other people, to be 100% accurate at all times is tough too because Bisping versus Vitor was reported by Combate. Um, Rafael Marino and his guys who do great a great job, they're really you know, kind of an underrated powerhouse. I know obviously their stuff's all in Portuguese, so it's not going to be as big uh, as it is here, but um, they do a great job of breaking fights. And you know, they put out Vitor versus Bisping in the works for London. Um, then Ariel comes out and says, you know, Bisping said that's absolutely not happening, blah, blah, blah. And people went all over Combate for that whole thing. And what I think people need to understand is that both of those people can be right. Like, this whole thing is way more complicated than it can, like, than people can, can even imagine, you know. And, and just, like, I'm making up this scenario. I don't know if this is what happened. Um, this is kind of what I got out of it. But, you know, Vitor was in talks with the UFC trying to get the Bisping fight. And then Bisping didn't want the fight, so he, he, he declined. Like, both those people are right. Bisping didn't want the fight, but the fight was still kind of in the works, you know. So I think people exactly it's not a black and white thing. It can, there can be some gray areas. I think it's just important to to, to realize what fake news is, and then uh, news that that things change, you know, things shift and change, and that, that can be hap- that can happen. And it's just it's unfortunate to see people like uh, Rafael and other people get kind of lambasted for um, for stuff like that.
2: And on that same note, one thing you and I have talked about a lot and, and we see it more and more. And, and I'm kind of on your side with this, it's it's sourcing. You know, I see a lot of it where, you know, these bigger sites will just ignore uh other sites reporting news first. And you know, my thing is this: it's like you can go on Twitter search of a of a fight announcement, of an injury, whatever. Um, and, and you'll you'll find the answer you want to get. Um, I feel like a lot of, you know, I, the, the argument I hate is that, oh, well, I don't follow such and such, so I don't know. Search on Twitter, search on Google, search on whatever, something, if someone's reported something, just do a quick search, take two seconds. And, and you know, we see this from time to time where, where sites don't credit. And I think you've been good about it in the sense that, you know, you're pretty polite about it. You're like, hey, listen, just so you know, we, we, you know, we credited, you know, we we broke this news first, whatever, you know, would you mind giving us credit? A lot of people think that people make too much about that, but that's how you get, uh, you know, uh, legitimize is by breaking news and doing things like that, uh, that that situation has got a little bit better because I do see the bigger sites crediting you guys when you guys break news.
3: Yeah, absolutely. That has been, you know, we've talked about it extensively and I think that that has been a big, um, you know, roadblock that we've had to overcome. And it's something that, um, like I know you and Hunter talked about this and you and Mike touched on it a little bit last week and he had a little bit of a different opinion, but I, I feel like for me, you know, I don't see this being any different than if you had an interview and somebody was pulling quotes out of your interview and just using them as their own, you know, like this is unique information that I had to work for in order to get, um, you know, somebody had to tell me that this fight was happening just like somebody had to, you know, if you were writing an article, somebody told you a quote, like it's the same thing in my book. And uh, like you said, man, you know, I, I haven't been, there was a lot of people in this MMA media community that I didn't know existed before I really got into it. I didn't, you know, I kind of had a basic following of MMA. And when I made the account, you know, I'd see a fight, for example, pop up on MMA Junkie or wherever. And if I went to the, you know, if I went to the article and I saw that there wasn't a source listed, I would go to the UFC's website and I would do a, you know, a Twitter search just with one of the people's names. It's not that hard. You know, you just type it in, you press recent. I'm sure it will be there. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's been frustrating because it's just – like there's, for me, there would be no way for me to make it if, uh, you know, if it wasn't for um, fans retweeting me or media members, you know, crediting me. And and some people say it doesn't matter or whatever. You know, who cares who puts it out first? But if nobody cared who put things out first, like I would, I would still be sitting at eighty followers, and I wouldn't be talking to you, and I wouldn't have had um, these great opportunities that that I've been given.
2: What's one question that people ask you a lot? I know you're young, but I'm sure people look up to you, look, look up to the work you're doing. Do you get sort of like, you know, questions from people every now and then asking you how to get into the industry or anything like that? Yeah, sometimes I'll
3: get some questions about like credentials and stuff. But uh, more so, um, you know, people, people are always looking for – there's really two questions I get. One of them was something you already asked, which was, you know, how did you build so many connections or sources or whatever? And again, just I think just not like pressuring people. Like I'm not – they don't have any obligation to give me anything. Like nobody has any obligation. And like I said, most of the people that, that I, you know, I talk to or have sources or whatever, these aren't people that I, that I even knew existed before we started talking. So for me, it's just, you know, just be respectful, understand that these guys don't have any obligation to share things with you that they can, some of them can get in trouble for doing this. You know, they're kind of putting themselves on the line. um, You know, whether it be with relationships with the fighters, people in camps, whatever people you know, friends or, or or just people in the, I'll just say the MMA community, you know, that's really what it comes down to. Um, and just like, you know, just you, you, you can't, you can't push it too hard. So just try to build up good relationships with people and people will tell you things. That's really what it comes down to. Um, and then the second thing is, um, people always ask me, you know, how did you get start writing for MMA Today or for whatever, for a website? Um, and honestly, if you look around enough, there's, there's some good opportunities out there. I know like at MMA Today, like, if you're, if you're a good writer, we'll take you. Like if you're, if you're a a writer that we think that you could even improve, you know, to, to build up, to be a good writer, we'll take you, you know, and it's good experience. I know there's a couple other sites out there. uh, Like I'm just off the top of my head, like MMA Sucka, I know is one that a lot of people start off writing for, you know, just give it a shot, man. And, and, and especially the piece of advice that I go with this, that applies with everything really is don't be afraid to reach out to people and just like ask questions, you know, like, I don't necessarily do that as much when it comes to the insider stuff, but it's in terms of like journalistic opportunities and things reach out. You know, I know a number of people that got jobs just reaching out to, to, to different um, you know, editors or um, you know, fighters managers to try to get interviews. Like just try, you know, what do you have to lose? Like worst case scenario, they see somebody who's trying to start out and they, they decide that it's not worth their time and they, you know, they just say, respectfully say no, or they don't respond to your message. Like just take a little bit of a risk. It's probably most times it's going to pay off because there's a lot of good freaking people in this this whole industry. I agree. Um, Kind of on that
2: same note, what's some advice you'd give people that might be watching this that are looking to do what you're trying to do? Um, You know, we touched
3: a bit on it, but is there yes. anything
2: else you can kind of think of that, that might be, uh, you know, wisdom you'd want to sort of put out
3: there? Yeah, sure. And uh, I think the the thing that comes to my mind is try to find it's not specific to being an insider. It's not specific to being an interviewer. It's not specific. Try to find something that makes you a little bit different. You know, try like I talked about earlier, like I felt like there was a void where there wasn't consistent fight announcements. There wasn't, um, you know, MMA Junkie would come out with, you know, 75% of the fights would have an article, but there'd be 25% that just went completely under the radar or unnoticed. There was no place you could go that would have all the fights listed accurately up to date from all different sources. And I felt like that for me was like my void. Like I found that. And I, uh, I tried to, to really drive that. And more recently in my, my um, journal, more journalistic career uh, was with the contender series. Like this was something that was announced and then nobody talked about it. You know, it was, nobody knew much about it. And I, you know, I, I made a guide a a contender series guide that had all the fights that that I knew from, you know, for each week and kind of told you, you know, a list of the the fighters by weight class, things like that. So try to find something that's a little unique, you know, you know, and the other thing is the second thing uh, is try to find something you're passionate about because it's one thing to try to write cookie cutter stuff that you're not interested in. But I just know that from my experience editing for MMA today, um, you know, I'm listed as a senior writer, but I do do editing for them. The people that come out with the best articles, the pieces that do the best on the website are the people that did what they wanted to do. You know, and sometimes I look at something and I'll say, "Uh, I don't know, like how this will run. Like if we run this, how it will do and then it will end up doing really well. And it's because that person cared about what they were writing about. They had enough passion to like research and and, and, uh, you know, really put their thoughts on paper that they wanted to. So for me, that those are my two big pieces of advice that we haven't already touched on.
2: What about mistakes you see people make? I'm sure, you know, with the experience you've sort of gained in the last couple of years in the industry, is there anything you kind of see that you go, eh, I wouldn't do that?
3: Um, for me,
2: that's a tough one. Whether yeah. it's from like a social media standpoint or like just maybe the way someone's writing
3: something. I, I don't know
2: if there's anything yeah. you've kind of I mean, picked there's up some you
3: kind of look at and kind of, you know, say, hey, I wouldn't do that if I were you. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's some things I think, uh, you know, a lot of times people are kind of afraid to like, like I said, reach out for advice, but especially when it comes to writing, like I always tell the the people at MMA today, like, if you have any questions, just ask me, like, I'm not, I, I'm not opposed to giving you advice. So that's one thing. And then the other thing is with social media. I think people care too much about like retweets and follows and favorites and things like that. Whereas if you, if you put out good content, those things will come later on, but it's not necessarily like, the amount of followers you have or the amount of retweets you get that make you what you are, you know? So for me, like, exactly. I don't have, and you, same thing with you. Like I don't have, you know, I don't know how many followers I have on Twitter, like less than 5,000, I think. And I feel like now all of a sudden I'm starting to get that web traffic, but it's because I put in things, I put in the time making things different and not, you know, can I have a follow back Can I have a follow back Can I have a follow back or can you retweet this <laughs> and stuff like that? You know, make people want to retweet you make them do it naturally you know you'll get those follows naturally if somebody wants to follow you make good content and people will
2: follow you back make good content and people will retweet your article i say this all the time and i'll say it again on here i just it drives me nuts when i get the odd person you know sending me their article and saying can you retweet this yeah. if you're starting a new website fair enough you know if you're someone i've seen for a while content i'll read it you know chances are i'll check it out and and i'll retweet it I, it's something that kind of annoys me to be honest cuz it's like you have to make good content. And like I said, you know, I tell this to people all the time, have mentors, have people you can send stuff to, look it over, make good content, improve on the content you're doing. And those retweets and all that stuff will come. But if you're asking for hand-me-outs, you're never going to learn. You're never going to get better.
3: Exactly. So. You nailed it. You know, couldn't have said it better myself, so...
2: No problem. Uh, we got, you know, <laughs> about five five minutes left here. Well, I mean, we started a bit late, so maybe we'll go a little bit longer yeah, here. But, uh, yeah, but one thing I wanted to address just real quickly, and I'm sure you saw the tweet as well. Um, the guy on Twitter, uh, I'll mention him, you know, he's, he goes by the name Cynical Fight Fan. And of course, uh, if, if you're being tweeted by someone like this, chances are it's not going to be positive news. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he basically crapped on the fact that I'm doing this podcast and saying, you know, why would journalists interview other journalists? And I kind of replied back and said, you know, look, like we have, There's how many Fight Breakdown podcasts, how many, you know, news podcasts out there. Yeah, we're talking to each other, but it's unique. You know, you're not seeing many podcasts talk about the industry. And he says, it's not very unique, all this. I didn't even reply. I just sort of left it this. But I wanted to bring it up because it's like, if people think I'm doing this because I'm trying to get a bunch of views or, you know, I'm trying to really like – change the way people are listening to podcasts. It's not it. I'm trying to be informative. You know, I think there is a void in this industry as far as people talking about it. You know, they have the MMA, JA and things like that. But I really don't think there's a lot of information out there for people who want to learn about what's happening in the industry. And I'm, I'm not an expert, but I am someone who's been in this industry for a while. So I feel it's necessary to get people on here and talk about their experiences. And I, I think personally, it's very interesting because unlike other sports, like your major sports, like NFL, you know, um, NBA, hockey, NHL, anything like that, you know, there's people, a lot of people do it full-time, but a lot of people who cover this industry are part-time. And I think that, it's interesting to hear how people are, are covering the sport and how they're ending it. You know how they're doing it. So if people think I'm doing this to try and you know get get a bunch of hits, it's more. I'd rather be informative than get you know three thousand hits on this thing. I, I you know I can't tell you how many people um, send me messages or you know reach out for advice or things like that 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 want to learn about this industry. And that to me is more important than than you know a million hits because yeah. I just I, I don't see the need for me. I wanted to start this because I like it and I also wanted to start it to be informative. And uh, if people don't like that that's fine but you know I, i'm not going to try and compete with luke thomas i'm not going to try and compete with these other podcasts that are doing fight breakdowns and do a damn job i wouldn't want to listen to myself about it so why would you want to listen to it so that's just yeah, my little uh little rings with there. that
3: like well first of all cynical is right because that was kind of a that was that was uh not the best tweet in the world but you know man the first the first thing i would say to him would be like well you're not a journalist you're not trying to get into this so this is this is you pretty much just yeah. touched on everything that i just said like when we the last few questions, you know, it was unique. It was something you're passionate about, it's something that, you know, there was a void that needed to be filled and you filled it. And for me, um, if it, this is a great outlet, like, you know, you, you've had on a variety of different people in different, you know, um, different realms of this, this industry, that if somebody's out there and trying to be a PR guy for, for uh, MMA uh, management group, who are they gonna you know there's not many people they can reach out to and talk to, but you know you have an add-on you can at least kind of see that person's journey and i've you know I've kind of found that to to be the case as well with my own personal experience. um something you touched on, I think maybe last week or the week before was you know there 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 were, at least up until recently there was a little bit of disconnect I felt like between the you know really high up media mem high up media members and everybody else you know there was kind of just this like back and forth or whatever. I don't know what you'd call it. Just kind of like awkward um, where thing where people didn't really get along. I think you and Mike talked about this. You and Hunter did. Um, And I feel like that most of the advice I've gotten in, in my, uh, in my career so far is from people that were not as high up the food chain that were just willing to, to, you know, shoot the shit and and talk about their career. And um, you know, some of those other people, like, like, uh, like I mentioned Aaron earlier, people like that, like just, just having that, having a mentor and having somebody be able to tell you at least what kind of worked for them just goes, it goes such a long way. You know, it gives you a little bit of a direction and then you can make your own, you can make your own uh, opportunities out of it.
2: Yeah, and, and to kind of just clarify about that a little bit, I mean, all those people at the higher-up positions have been nothing but nice to me. I mean, I'm, I'll never... I, I, I got you, you to... Yeah. And I know that's not what you were saying, but yeah. I just, you know, I want to clarify that. Like, you know, I, I've talked to Ariel Hawani a bunch of times. He's been nothing but nice to me. Um, you know, Brett Okamoto, been nothing but nice to me. Uh, John Morgan, Chuck Mendenhall. I mean, there's so many people that are in sort of that 1A tier as far as, you know, right. the top journalists. And let me just clarify. They've been here. nothing but kind. But, but what, what I will sort of say is that, you know, you see more dialogue between sort of the the guys that are, you know, maybe not just full time. Um, you know, like, like I talked to Dwayne a lot. I talked to Hunter a lot. I talked to Mike Heck a lot. You know, they're, they're guys that are doing, putting out great work and they're people that, you know, yourself, there's, there's people that I just talk to on a regular basis. And, you know, I, I, I think there's, there's more of sort of a, um, I, I almost, I might be a bit of a strong word to say this, more of a brotherhood each other out. And I think those, those higher up guys, maybe it's not like, like that for each other because in a way they are in a bit of a competition, you know, and, and that's understandable, but I don't really look at it. You know, when someone says, oh, are you are trying to be the next Ariel hawani I'm kind of like, no, I'm, I'm James Lynch. I'm different than Ariel. I don't want to be, you know, wearing plaid shirts and you know, <laughs> Nike shoes. I want to be wearing a suit. That's just how I am. Like that's, that's my style. I, I don't need to be, you know, anyone in particular, I have my own style that sort of differs from other people and, and I'm fine with that. And what Ariel, was doing works for him, but what I'm doing is, you know, I guess working
3: for me cause I'm doing this full so that's the sort of You about. know, let me just clarify too, because I, have got to say that too. A lot of these people have been great to me. Um, I haven't had, you know, a whole lot. Of, I've only, I've only covered like credential. I've only been credentialed for three events ever. And, uh, so I haven't had a whole lot of interaction with some of the bigger names. Um, you know, not a whole lot of the bigger names cover like the Bellator Mohegan things like that. So for me, like, I just want to clarify, if I came across like that, that's not, not what I was trying to do at all. Um, i everybody's been great to me i haven't had i haven't necessarily had like a one-on-one experience with somebody that's been poor um but i just know coming into this there was always it's people talking about this kind of disconnect at least between um like you said kind of the you know the 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 titans of the industry kind of having like an awkward relationship um and that's more what i was more what i was trying to get at so thank you for clarifying because i want to make that clear
2: no problem. You can almost be Canadian. How polite you are. It's crazy. Yeah. We, should, we should adopt you we should bring yeah. you over here. It's, uh, it's nuts. Um, you know, my last question for you here. And, and again, you know, I appreciate the time we've gone a little bit over, but, yeah, no, uh, you no know, problem. again, we're a bit late here. What's sort of the goal for you career wise? You're 22 years old. You got the world in front of you, man. Like I, you know, I don't want to date myself here, but I remember when I was 22 and MMA was not on my radar. So I mean, what what's sort of the, the main goal here? Is it, you know, being a doctor, still doing this MMA stuff, or is it being an insider full-time? Like what's, have sort of an outlook for maybe the next five years?
3: Yeah. So I think that the next few years are going to be kind of telling, like my original plan was to go to, to be a physician's assistant, PA school, two-year grad program. Um, it's usually like one of those things where you have to apply, like, a few times to get in. Like, it's, you, you're you going to have a couple years in between undergrad and, and grad school to try to to work and gain opportunities and work experience and things like that. So um, I'm thinking in that in the next couple of years, it's going to be kind of going on along, you know, progressing in the two paths that I'm going for now. And I think within the next, like, 18 months or so it will kind of be evident which way I'm going to go because it's a big commitment either way. Um, I don't want to be half in one door and half in another. I, I want to be fully in with what I'm doing. And, uh, you know, as far as this career goes, I think that the, the big things for me, you know, is just to continue to improve my writing, continue to try to branch out and, and, you know, do like, I, like I, we talked about the in-person interviews. It's, it's a lot different than talking to somebody on the phone. So try to, you know, smooth over the rough edges. Um, doing things like this was probably the weakest thing that I, you know, I still think I'm not the best at it. Like, I'm, you know, I'm talking to guys like you, I'm talking to guys like Mike Heck, who it's like, you know, I could be talking to a computer. You guys are so quick and so you know, you got everything down. You don't hesitate. So those type of things are what I'm trying to work on personally, and then more professionally, I'm also trying to you know, hopefully someday get get a credential to the UFC, see what's what's up there, and uh, just continue to write, continue to make MMA Today bigger, and then also like you talked about at the beginning, I'm 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 back kind of doing a, a bigger role with Flow Combat, and I think that they're gonna you know, having having somebody like Hunter, where you know, this is what this is what he went to school for. This is his career. And this is a guy that knows what he's talking about. I think he's going to be, uh we talk about mentors. I think he's going to be a good mentor going forward as far as my, uh, my output and my writing and everything goes. So.
2: Well, we uh, hope you stick around Nolan. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's been an absolute blast this last hour it just flew by, uh, you know, talking to you and. I really uh, enjoy speaking within this industry and I, I really enjoy the work you're doing. And, and I think it's going to be cool to see where you sort of take this thing in the next couple of years. But I hope it is in uh, MMA and, you know, may, maybe you can do like the Gray's Anatomy thing on the side or whatever. But uh, <laughs> that, that's either way. It's uh, it's great to see. Um, just, you know, f- remind people where they can find you on social media. Um, and if you've got anything coming up for MMA today and, of course, uh, anything you got uh, going on in the future for Flow Combat, by all means, the floor is yours. Sir.
3: Absolutely. Uh, well, first off, I want to thank you for having me on. I was I was honored when you asked me, a little surprised, you know, just like, wow. Um, So thank you for this. It's it's an awesome podcast. I hope people uh, continue to tune in if they hadn't tuned in uh, prior to this week. Um, As far as Twitter goes, you can follow me at MMA underscore Kings. Um, I'm going to be doing some coverage, live event coverage this month for MMA Today, uh, CES this Friday, and then Bellator um, 194 at the Mohegan. I have a handful of interviews coming uh, coming in with the guys from last weekend's uh, UFC Charlotte. Eric Anders' interview is going to be out later on today. Um, and then with Flow, I have one coming out with Andre Feely. It's going to be my first piece um, that I've done in a while for them. And then also I'm going to be doing some uh, top five to top ten prospect lists, um, you know, regional little blurbs uh, that will go up on Flow as well. So check me out there, um, all those places, and make sure to, to follow two great teams in MMA Today and uh, Flow Combat. And yeah, uh, you guys can always follow me on Twitter at
2: Lynch on sports and apologies for the connection today. I uh, think we'll be back to normal next week. I'll actually be back in Toronto, Canada. Uh, no more vacations. I, I got two destination weddings out of the way. I think two more this year, uh, but, but, but things will get back to normal next week. I'll be back in the dungeon uh, back in Toronto. So uh, again, apologies for, for the wonky connection here. It's all on my end. Uh, just so people know, uh, you can uh, check out all my stuff on uh, fightful on fan I got a bunch of post fight interviews this week over on Sports illustrated MMA and, and fan sided. And then on fightful, I've got a bunch of stuff for, for this Saturday's card, including uh, headliner, Eric Anders. I've got a bunch of other interviews, including Valentin of There's just a lot of really good stuff. Like if you're looking at that card and, and you're trying to find some fighters, I've interviewed, most of them I just interviewed Maya Stevenson yesterday in Brazil so that was really cool I got her at the last minute so check that out and uh, we'll be back here next Thursday the plan is to do this at one o'clock Eastern time no more uh, switching up times or anything like that so I I appreciate everyone being patient and again if you have feedback by all means shoot me a DM my DMs are open I I love all the great feedback again it's been a lot more positive than negative despite what some people say but uh, I do appreciate everyone tuning in and we're only going to get better from here and uh, I want to thank Nolan once again for coming on the show it was great uh, talking shop with them and And uh, until next time, we'll see you next week. Uh, Thanks for tuning in.